0: It's time for episode 385 of the Wrestling Perspective podcast. That's right, Lars. That's right, my friend. Wow. Wow. Someone's someone's stepping up. Someone's stepping up to the plate. Daddy brought gifts. That's right. (laughs) Yes, 385, where I find out I'm Lars Fredrickson's sloppy second podcast host, and it hurts a little bit. I thought I was your first. No, you're my second. I'm on. Uh, you know, the guest
1: today is an old friend of mine, known him for a few decades, Mister Rob Naylor. Before you say anything, Rob, let me just give everybody an introduction to you. I've, we've been wanting to have Rob on the show for the longest time because, you know, back in the tape trader days, Rob was, you know, a very prominent figure in that, and he used to make his own comps. And, you know, the way that the one of the things that I wanted to bring up because the, the today's modern fan is a lot like we were back in, you know, 25 years ago. But now but and there was such a small number of us and Rob was, you know, being the forefront. But of course, um, you know, Rob and I and, and Will and uh, had a, a, we did a little podcast with our friend CM Punk and what, 15 years ago, Rob? long time ago,
2: yeah, maybe yeah. 2008, 9, 10, whatever it would be, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, because that was right before his match with who again?
2: Well, John Cena, we have one right before the famous Money in the Bank match, which right. would have been awesome. Like, the timing of getting that group of people together to talk about Randy Man, Savage was huge. And Correct. then the file was corrupted and no one ever saw or heard of it. So that's fine. It's okay. We did other ones though that were good too. So right.
1: we did, we did. But Rob's an old good friend of mine. And, and I, normally we have like a pro wrestler or somebody, you know, but Rob's obviously been in the work in in the wrestling business. I wanted, I just had this idea. Let's have a fan show and talk about being a fan, you know, because that's what, who listens to wrestling podcasts is his fans. So
0: With that, I digress,
1: ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rob Naylor. Welcome to the show, Hey,
2: All right. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it.
0: And with that, I got to jump right in because uh, I think Lars and I are both know that we are so lucky to know the people we know, to have seen some of the things, whether it's, you know, in a stadium or backstage or just being around the people. When you go from iconic tape trader, which you kind of were, you know, I would I, I through through Lars, I learned so much about the tape trading because I was not part of it. I was I was that. If it didn't pop on TV, I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't even a dirt sheet guy. That's how naive of a wrestling fan I was. So you're one of those few people in in, in the tape trading industry that goes from tape trading to being part of the industry. Right. Now, hang on, hang on. I don't right. really want to get so much into it, but what was that moment like when you go, oh, my gosh, I'm stepping across that line onto the Field of Dreams? That's
2: a good question, but I wasn't the tape on We have- think i'll lay this out too i was more a tape buyer like i tape traded like let's face it i was a tape buyer because by the time i got into it there were so many human beings that went to the observer readers pages and they had their own little cottage industries out of their own homes or they just had they lived in a certain area and they just had access like someone had sports channel so they had ecw tv which to me was like you know, mana to the people who believe in, in the world back in 95 and 94. Like you needed those tapes. I didn't have it where I lived. We lived in the coal region. We didn't have these things, but we had basically people in Philly had the ECW TVs. Uh, to get back to all that wrestling tape buyer, occasional trader. And was it cool? Yes, it was ridiculous. And my whole thing was, I was so more starstruck and Lars, you'll appreciate this. I was always happier when like, yesterday was my birthday and like Norman Smiley was like hey thanks he was like instead of saying hey happy birthday Rob he's like happy birthday from me and Barry motherfucking Houston was the text Barry Houston came to FCW who the fuck is Barry Houston to most people he's my favorite he's this awesome guy he was this awesome wrestler one of the first people to do European style and he did it on worldwide wrestling which was the D show by that time with the NWO and everything but a lot of he meant a lot to there were people I know that traded tapes of Barry Houston full circle here. So like when he would stop by the office, it's like, wow, Barry Houston, you know, yeah. different people would be like, well, don't mark out. John Cena is coming in. Oh, whatever. It's fine. Hi, John. Barry Houston. Oh, my God. Or, you know, um, <laughs> Buddy Colt. Legends from the 70s. Oh, my gosh. This is great. I'm going to talk to him about everything that happened with Gordon Soley and Dusty and. Pac Song Nam and Gary Hart, the whole thing. So that was fun. But I did have to temper my fan because I got pulled into a room when I first got there and kind of yelled that, well, don't be a fucking Mark. I don't want to be a curse on this, but don't be you, a Mark. You be and, Mark. you know, I, I had that in my brain like, okay, shut this off. Don't sell anything. Just try to be cool. But like Vader would come in and I would get to give Vader DVD compilations that me and Lars's mutual friend you know, made like a 40 disc Vader comp and the tear would drop Vader's eye. And he'd be like, thank you very much. You've worked with my son for a year and now I'm visiting and you're giving me this. I don't have all these matches or Dusty having me make extra copies of my friends, Dusty Rhodes comp that would go to the kids. So like it's, it's VHS and tape trading, but it's also DVD compiling and just collecting and having a network of human beings that all share tapes and come up with ideas for compilations and, and things of that
1: nature. Well, yeah, but I mean, and, and, and that encompasses tape trading. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that, because I remember some of your comps, yeah. and you had, you know, these famous comps in the world, you used to call them the baddies or the... Oh, the wimpies. Wimpies, that's what oh, was. Yeah, i was. The wimpies,
2: yeah, I have a... Rain Man-esque memory for Great Oh, like okay, men. hold on a second. Okay,
1: okay. You're Rain Man a, a times 10. See, that's the thing, Dennis, yeah. is right. I can call Rob and I can, or I can text him. I say, hey, I'm watching Liger versus Mysterio or whatever. And he'll say, well, what match? Was it September 84 or, not, <laughs> you know, March of 96 when it was snowing outside at the Albany fucking, <laughs> you know, like he knows and I mean, it's it's kudos to you. Thank you. Um, but yes, so go ahead. Uh, explain the baddies. Yeah, it's like baddies. only for the
2: older stuff. Only for like the 80s and 90s and like 70s stuff. But modern stuff, I don't know that well. Yeah, I had the WMPs because like, I would have like, okay, Undertaker against Al Reynolds. Great. Or I'd have, you know, Zant Panzer against Mean Mark Callis in October 1990. Got it. You know, Yokozuna against uh, Dan Dubiel was a classic job guy. And he thinks he had some kind of issue with his ribs where, like, Yoko could sit on him full-time and, like, destroy him and not land on his feet first. But he survived it somehow. Was it a condition? I don't know. These are the medical things I worry about at night. Not, like, my own health or an EKG. Does Dan Dupil have some kind of structure in his rib cage that allows him to take bonsai drops better? These are the important things we think about. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah. So I, I had comps. I would pick my favorite matches from all over the place and all days and times. There was a guy named Bill Schneider who was, who is, he yeah. writes now for the ringer and he's a really great guy. And I've been to shows with him for years, but he had comps before I did and he had them on death Valley Driver.com And he put these compilations together and it took, and we got to talk about this. It took forever. This day of now give me what I want. I need to consume it immediately. Phil would write out stuff for his tape list and be like, oh, well, here's Tenru and this person, and here's this Michinoku 8-man, and here's this Mako Satsumura rookie year match, and here's this 70s Shnuka flair match. And like he'd get the detailed write-ups. He's like, oh, I can't wait to get that tape. And you'd send him 20 bucks, and like eight months later, maybe you'd get a fourth-generation version of all these matches, and you'd be excited. It was part of it. There wasn't that immediate gratification of, oh my God, I need it right now. You waited for it. And then when you got things, you kind of appreciate it a little bit more. I don't all old man over here yelling at the clouds, but I feel now a lot of times people just like, they're ready to shit on something before it even is finished because they just want to be like, oh, well, you know, I saw this last week and it was better than this or everything is available on YouTube. If YouTube was around when I was a kid, it'd be bad. I wouldn't have learned anything. I would have I would have been, focused on watching Wrestling on YouTube all all all
1: game on me. We've had Phil on the show uh, promoting his Way of the Blade book. And and that's another guy I wanted to mention. Sorry to cut you off, but, you know, just the idea of how much time it took to go around and collect these matches um, and just that, like you were talking about, that excitement of finally getting it after, Mm -hmm. you know, such and such a time. But just having that documented, it, it, you know, that that was like the best feeling in a lot in a lot of ways. In, in my that was in the my best,
2: pick. Go into the mailbox, and th- I did this recently. I haven't collected anything for wrestling in the longest time. But in the 90s, I would order that Best of Sabu tape. And I would order the Best of the Headhunters in Wing. And I would order all these tapes. And my poor parents had all this shit coming to their house 24-7. Because like, I had a, I had a part-time job on weekends at the nursing home. So instead of like putting forward my college, I'm like, well, no, I'm going to get this Headhunters tape. And we've got to see what's going to happen with Onita in FMW. So I had stuff coming to the home. And it was awesome. And I'd run to the mailbox and be pissed if the mailman did come with my, my tape. And I'm like, oh, God, you know. Fuck you, mailman. But then, like, when you're going be great when it's gum and then it'll be okay, fun, we're going to watch. I, have, I haven't had that excitement in years for any kind of commodity. I was like, ah, you know, whatever. But now I'm into collecting Japanese wrestling magazines and I'm funneling hundreds of dollars into year long Japanese wrestling. In 1993, the whole 52 issues, let's get them in the mail and run to the mailbox and be excited again. So it's coming back for me a little bit. I hope other people have hobbies in their life. If it's not wrestling, maybe like fucking roller derby or whatever else they might like in life. Barbie, whatever it is. But people like things, and it comes to your home, you get excited about it, and it's tangible. It's a real thing. Yeah. You can go and collect and have in your hands, pop it into a DVD player, you know, just have it.
0: Now, in my research of you, I came across some stuff where some of the guys in the industry would come to you to critique their matches. Now, I guess my question here is what were the matches in your head that you would use as a measuring stick for their matches?
2: Okay. So, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know about all that. Here's what I'll say about all that. When I worked at NXT, yes, sometimes someone that worked there would be like, hey, you know, someone that might be new. Hey, you've seen a million things. What did you, did you watch this? What do you think of this? Or, you know, I would write what I would do in the 90s or in the 2000s. I would go to every show in the Northeast and I would do my little typewriter write-ups of every show after it happened on message boards. And people would read them. Eventually, I made a lot of friendships at Wrestling Through. That with a lot of great people. So with that, okay. What I like to do, though, is I like to watch... A match. Like the the whole thing at developmental when I first got there, at least was like, well, everyone watch Ric Flair. Or watch Goldberg. You're a big jacked up guy. Watch Goldberg. Fuck that. Watch Eric Embry and Buddy Landell instead of Ric Flair. Because everyone's seen Ric Flair. Watch Gino Hernandez. Watch uh, you know, somebody um uh, you know, watch Shingo in Japan instead of Goldberg. Goldberg's Goldberg. You're not going to do Goldberg again. Like, okay, he had great fire and in his intensity. You can watch that if you're new, and you can grasp that and learn from it. But there's other like, I could watch any person's body type even and be like, okay, ding, 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 ding. watch this. Here's this idea. And as anyone that could follow my social media, I, I, just, social media is just an angry place. So all I do is I just put little photos and videos and shit and you could see, I have a, a, a mind for just picking a clip out, this, that, or the other thing. And even Gary Albright, this awesome wrestler from the 90s. Recently, I just have a friend who has a giant database of 80,000 matches. And I just typed in Albright. Then all of a sudden, I pulled up 15 Albright matches. And I know right in the match where the suplex is going to be. So I just go, bing, 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 and I just could throw something together really fun and easy. And then people consume and they enjoy so, you know, just just stuff like that. I like watching wrestling in a way where, hey, that's cool. I haven't seen that in a while. Let's pitch this to my friend via text, you know, and maybe they'll adopt it into their their match in a way shape or form that makes sense. So, you know, stuff like that.
1: Well, you know, today's modern wrestling because and that was one of the points I wanted to make at the, the beginning of the show is like, you know, a lot uh, there was a very small world of us who read the dirt sheets, you know, were interested in the ratings or, you know, whatever it may be, or what was happening in Japan and trying to follow along the story. And we were kind of a quote unquote smart fans, right? Would you, I mean, is that fair?
2: This is my question to you. When did you start with all that? Because I know my exact date. Now you were more busy than I, but in 1993, well, I doing? got my first observer. Was that right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well, but you know when did you find out that you could even spend a mail or a money order to someone to get a tape or trade a tape Lars? was it well, later in the 90s did you or 2000s
1: like wow. it, it? well when i that that was the thing because when i it was probably 94 95 wow okay okay so and that's when i just kind of discovered like Know and and what, how I got connected was through eBay, okay. And 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 so you would find guys there selling comp tapes or whatever it was, yeah. And then sometimes on their pages, they'd say, Come to my website, right? Okay, and then that's how you kind of found it. And then Death Valley Driver, you know, and the uh, the bat boy who was a good friend of mine, uh, Brent, you know, so so it was like, it was like. I kind of made my way. So by the time the, the, the late 90s came around, I was fully immersed and I knew who to go to to get certain things, who was dependable, who was going to rip you off. Cause I got ripped off a few times, you know. Yeah. There was, yeah. there was, and, and there was that one guy that would always get all the Joshi stuff. Uh, uh, fuck. Southern California guy. I forget his name. Um, Bob Barnett. Was it Barnett? It might have been Barnett. Why yeah, be Bob it, Barnett? it was Bob Barnett because I met him through Vampiro, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so okay, this is why me and what I
2: mean. you can talk for hours because I don't I know. even know any of these things, but it, I'm enamored by it. You don't even understand. Okay, yeah. so you met Bob Barnett through
1: Vampiro. Yeah, it, and it's just because <laughs> when 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 uh, when Vampiro would do little spot shows down in Mexico or whatever, mm-hmm. he would do a spot show in L.A. because the L.A. the flea markets down there would do those little or. Even in Tijuana, you know, yeah, what I mean? was, like Superboy like, and stuff. Exactly. So, Vampiro would stay at his house. Blah 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 blah. Okay. Okay. So, um, but today's modern fan, you know, and you have like things like the Observer, probably bigger than it's ever been in in its history. You know what I mean? We're, we're, or, or people who know about it, anyways. Yeah. Um, and then you have guys like Dave Meltzer now on these these retrospectives of wrestlers' careers and things yeah. like that. Um, you know, obviously, um, he was one of the guys, you know, covering the steroid trials and stuff like that through the newsletters. And there was another one. I forget who he was. There was another killer. Yeah, thank you. And um, so, but now today's Modern Fan, that information, those those things like ratings and whatever it is, whatever it is that's like part of being the fan now. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's so commonplace, whether it's us, 25 years ago, there was it was very small. You know, you could probably imagine can- us.
2: Imagine us watching like you know Hogan against uh, Big Boss Man in the cage with Zeus at ringside and being like, "I wonder what the Nielsen is going to be." You know, what <laughs> I mean, like just, just watch. It. People now are more complex creatures. And you mentioned Dave Meltzer. The thing is, Dave Meltzer's paper and the Observer used to have a thing called the Readers' Pages, where My parents would probably kill me if they knew at the time, but I'd thrown their address out into that damn observer. I want to see Sabu matches or headhunters and send tape lists to this house. So then George Mayfield.
1: Wow, George Mayfield's tapes.
2: The man. I loved him. He lived up the street near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and he had a thing, Lars, where, like, he sent a tape list, and he had a thing where he listed, like, 300 matches, Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask and Slaughter and Patterson and Vader and Takata and, and Steiner's matches and all this stuff. And he would talk about why he liked each match. Sabu and Funk at the WWN tapings that were never released, the bootleg pro shot. You know, so all these words we've been reading, like, oh, wow, that sounds cool. And you'd pick picking shoes, all the different things. Dush and Liger, Pegasus Kid. I remember the first one I did. I wrote it on a little index card and I sent it away. And, like, five weeks later, I got this tape to my house, and I was like, holy shit, I didn't know it could be like this. And at the end of the tape, George put a, a Super Jacob video, just a highlight video of the show. So then I had to get that, too. So, like, some of these people were very, very smart, the way they would market their own businesses. And uh then, like, all these, I'd get tapes from Japan. Steve Freelander was the name I remember. John McKay. Adam is a guy who has a podcast about the fandom that we're talking about today in the 80s. I'm talking 70s and 80s smart mark fans, which I don't know anything about. I'm 90s and 2000s. I'm old enough. But there's a whole thing ahead of me. People were trading beta tapes, for Christ's sake. I don't even know what a beta tape is, really. I, I was a VHS guy. So, like, there's this every generation has its own thing. And was I'm going May- on a rant. But, well, no, just, but was
1: it? but was it Mayfield who you paid 10 bucks to have him FedEx his list? And it was like a fucking uh, phone book.
2: Who was that? No, I think that was Friedlander. And it okay. was the one where I these, see these guys. The, one of the reasons I have glasses is because I've got that fucking tape list from that guy. And it's the <laughs> most minute little, you can't even, like, Billy Black and Joel Beaton beat the fantastic in 19. And you're, you got my bifocal the fuck out. I, I tried to read, but, like, it was a very thorough tape list. I don't know how he did it. It was incredible. It was like an encyclopedia. Yeah, I mean, it
1: was like 10 bucks it was 10 bucks instead of 10 (laughs) bucks and then he fedexed you this book it's basically a book it was like so overwhelming even as a as a as a a pro wrestling fan because there's like i don't even know where to start you (laughs) know they were hunched
2: back they were hunched back in campbell california and (laughs) shavokin pennsylvania in the 90s i assure you just because of that fucking guy's list it was crazy yeah that was funny
0: you know, I, I want to jump in and ask because we're in a culture now where things get recycled. What is uh, old is new again. Could you see a version of this tape trading industry come
2: back in? in? Yes, and what it is, it it's already here, and it's called Google Drive. Mm-hmm. And just recently, Google now has only – people that know or don't know google now only allows as of this month a certain amount of terabytes where it was unlimited i had friends that had like eighty thousand matches on google drive specific with years dates names the whole thing so if i wanted to watch like a pretty boy doug summers match or 13 i could type that in and immediately boom every pretty boy doug summers match in the history of mankind will come up on this thing and that's where i could brag and say oh well fuck these newfangled ways of sharing this stuff i want a physical dvd and the fun of coming up with a compilation on my own and putting a musical thing behind the dvd and having a, a list of matches you can go one by one on the dvd but now it's from a compartmentalization standpoint all oh, these drives are cool because basically someone could just get all this stuff rip it upload it like with me now shit i'm not going to name names but like I'll put together a best of Yoshino or a best of Judy Martin or a best of, uh, you know, not Bam Bam Bigelow, but someone like that. And I'll I'll have these little lists of all these different people and I'll just say, or, or Bobby Heenan, Jimmy Hart matches, and I'll just send them to my friends in wrestling's email and then they'll immediately have my little folder of matches for that wrestler. And it's like, watch these, pick up something if you can. If not, just try to enjoy whatever. Nick Bockwinkle that's someone I want to send around because Nick Bockwinkle's a guy who did everything so well and he didn't do much, but like, that's the point. Everything he did looked awesome and he had good timing and he had good pacing of his matches and he put things together. Great. He was a great touring world champion, but he, i would watch Nick Bockwinkle over and I'm a moves guy. I'd watch him over half of the shit you see on TV these days with all the cool stuff happening because this shit was just clean and it looked good.
0: Now let me ask you this because I lucky I slid into Lars's DMs, was like, look, I do this with these guys. Would you come on? And we became friends after that. Okay. You were in a different era. When did you realize, holy fuck, is that that's the guy from Rancid?
2: Oh my God. Well, that's the thing too. I I am obviously no i was, Hang on.
0: I see the look on his face, but I asked this because in my mind, you're t- trading tapes and you've got this really cool name, like you know, Roots ninety-seven or whatever. <laughs> and then and, and you can live behind Roots this wall of anonymity, you know? Well,
2: he he's he and I were became friends because we are mutual buddies, just like, listen, you're a giant nerd. I have another giant nerd wrestling friend, and you guys will be fast friends and get along. And he just made the introduction. I'm pretty sheepish. I did email the nature boy, Buddy Landell, back in 2000. And I was like, hey, Buddy, I have a bunch of tapes of yours. He's like, hey, baby, send it this way. I live in Freezeboro, Tennessee or whatever. And I remember I was so happy because I met Buddy Landell, right? It was like the coolest thing. And then Loki's another one back in the day because he was Loki 99. He crushed something, and I sent it to him. He's like, thank you very much for what you sent along to me. I will take it in it forever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hey, great, you know? Thanks. So like, you know, even in his very calm, composed way, he seemed appreciative. But through that, you know, that's the fun of this too. Email and now Twitter, let's face it. Twitter's like everybody having your phone number. But like back in the day, just through email, if you just got a hold of somebody and you could just hit them up about a shared hobby like that. There's so many people that watch or enjoy this hobby we all have. And you could watch it in one or two ways. You can watch it and just shit and bitch and moan and fuss about everything and i've been guilty of it too at times so i'm not going to say like oh i'm up here on the pedestal but like ultimately at the end of the day if you want to remain and stay a wrestling fan holy shit there's enough things out there to keep you very interested current or past like that's me now i i now go to the 90s and 2000s and collect japanese wrestling magazines because i've read about all these matches but now i get these sports illustrate illustrated style photos of all these classic matches and it's a real blast just to, to go back in and watch stuff of that nature but again uh, just to pitch something at Lars again so here's one for you <laughs> when you were watching this is off topic surprise but when you were watching ecw in the 90s if you did and at the end they had stonecutter media or they'd have tommy boy records were you, as someone who was in the music business, because I would get these tapes in the mail, were you like, bullshit? Oh shit, they don't have deals with these record companies. Like, you probably had more know-how. Like,
1: Well, you know, I think at that time, you know, ECW, I mean, I'm not too sure if they had the rights to play these songs. And yeah. a lot of that didn't really come in. I mean, I know that's always been there, but yeah. I'm sure that like, you know, it's kind of like getting your music played at a baseball stadium. You get paid for that, right? Okay. So, so you get paid no matter what. So, and I don't necessarily know if it was ECW's necessarily their responsibility. It might've been the, the, uh, the station or something. I don't yeah. really know how the, they might've struck a deal. Who knows? You know what I mean? I
2: think they did so- with House of Pain because House of Pain, they had the video clips and the Illuminators video and, they would plug it in the record company. What? But then they would just put other shit. You, you know they didn't have a deal with A and Roses or Geffen Records. Like, there, there's stuff like that where you're just like, wow, they really didn't give a fuck. Like, they're just putting this stuff on TV what because was there the was thing? a line in the sand in 86 or 87 where, like, Coco Beware stopped coming out to Morris Day in the time, and he had his right. own right. song. And then, you know, even Dusty, who would have, like, George Thurgood and you know yeah. Manhattan Transfer and all these bands ELO for Christ's sake so they have these bands for the wrestlers and then all of a sudden they all had stock themes and you just wonder like well well that's
1: because there was money in that for Vince and yeah. that's really what you know he had a songwriter you mm-hmm. know obviously he had the hit with uh Real American yeah I mean then that was what originally for fucking Barry Windham and Mike Rotondo wasn't it <laughs>
2: It was. Yeah. You know, because yeah. Hogan's theme was by Mona Flambe or whatever. Right. It's actually <laughs> Cindy Lopper's stage name or some shit. But here's one. I thought that Derringer for Demolitions theme should have got a Grammy. And I also thought Coco Beware <laughs> and Pile Driver. What a piece of art. I love that one too. <laughs> I uh I think these people just cause they're wrestling, they got shortchanged, but you know, who am I to say with my musical ear? But I really did like Derringer's song.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about, Rob, is because, you know, you just said something pretty interesting, and it reminded me of this question I wanted to talk to you about. It's just about how the fans now, it's like, now it's fans of companies, and the companies can do no wrong, right? And it's like, theres it it seems like it's less and less about the wrestling. It's more and more about who your allegiance is to, right? So, do you see that in the modern fan uh, these days? I mean... You got so many ways to consume wrestling. You got so many ways to consume wrestling news. It's instant gratification. Do you feel like, it, you know, as a fan and a lover of all pro wrestling, because I can find something good in even the shits, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that a wrestling fan can. But now it's to the point where it's like, it's like, like you were talking about that line in the sand.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think we all have phases and here's my thing. The fan has always been like that. Here's a story. In 1987, my friend Michael Long invited me over to his family's home to watch Prism, which had the Philadelphia Spectrum WWF shows on it. So it's like the Killer Bees against Moondog Rex and Barry O and all this other stuff. But we're sitting there watching it, and I'm just like, oh, well, did you see what happened with Dusty this week? Or wow, you know, that Rock and Roll Express, Manny Fernandez, Rick Rudmaster sure was good. And this kid's Uncle Bob, and I remember the name, Uncle Bob was like, ah, those guys are a bunch of hacks. They ain't nobody. That's that nobody small time shit. They ain't WWE or WWF." And I'm like, oh my God, dude. I'm like eight. And this guy's treating me like a piece of shit because I like NWA, right? So I just always remember thinking, you prick. And then I always, my whole life, always tried to be a little be nicer, kinder, gentler. And I liked ECW though. And I probably was a little brat once upon a decade because I was probably like, oh, that's that cartoon shit, WWF, I like ECW, and I probably was like that too. But now, now there's just, we see more stuff, and it's just, like, every week the rating comes out. You can go through the ratings of WrestleNomics, there's, and underneath it will be like, oh, Big W, or hey Losers. Because it's people now who just attach themselves to winners and losers, or whoever else they want. And they're winners and losers are now professional wrestling companies. And it's like, okay, you go pal, way to go. But you know, I kind of get it. It's kind of now like a, like a baseball team or a football team where you just have people who are like, Oh, I'm a WWE Homer and I love it. Yay. And, or I like AEW. And I just think since there's 2 you you're just going to have this a lot. Whereas, you know, back in the God, even a year or two ago, I would post it. I would like go, yeah, that was awesome. I really like that. And then all of a sudden, it'd be like 800 800, people just like saying shitty stuff and like being combative and angry. And I'm like, oh, man, what is this shit? So then I eventually just had my Twitter where if I make a comment, you have to either I follow you or you follow me and you can say something underneath it. Who's got the time for this shit? It's a fun hobby. Like if you're going to comment something to me, make it constructive. Let's enjoy something or discuss or debate if you're just gonna come on here and be like hey then <laughs> it's like okay great cool see you so like there's some of that it's just but again i'm in my fucking 40s like i'm not a kid anymore i think kids consume and speak and and have emotions different than less older folk so maybe that's part of it too but i just don't have any time for people in the comments anymore to come up and bitch and moan and complain. It's like, I don't go to your page and start jumping in on shit. So don't come on mine. Just be angry because it's a Tuesday. Get...
0: When do you think that shift happened in the wrestling fan? Because kind of like you said, growing up, I was a WCW and guy. I didn't watch much WWF. I kind of missed the whole attitude error. I think I jumped over when Jericho finally kind of made the jump. And, but I was a loyal guy. But I wasn't going around talking shit to my friends that loved WWE. <laughs> and, and, you know, was was that culture in wrestling before Twitter? Or did Twitter usher in that culture?
2: It has always been. I have a friend who was watching wrestling at the Hamburg Field House in the 70s. And he'd go in and his mother would look across the wasteland of fans ready for the big WWWF taping. And she'd go... Son, this is the bottom third of the bottom third. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) oh, no. So, like, yes, let's face it. Wrestling fans have been kind of crusty and and douchebags and everything their whole lives. But I don't want to say it's all wrestling fans. Any fandom where you're that hardcore into it, you're going to get some people who are just curmudgeons, who are just angry every second of their day. And that's fine. But, like, I do think that now with social media, it's all, you see more of it, obviously. Like, if you didn't come in contact with these people back in the day, they weren't, you didn't have to pay them no mind. Whereas now, you either have to hit mute, block otherwise, or mute words on your Twitter or whatever, and you just see less of it. Like, I would, I love it when I could just jump on Twitter and get in an engaging discussion or or about, you know, you know, 80s AWA or, or Continental or anything else. Well, now instead of that, Because that just doesn't happen much. Now I just have, like, five or six friends I could call up on the phone, break it down to them, and have that happen. Because I I just don't think a lot of times it's just very basic thought that ruled. Well, why did it rule? Please, let's talk. Not debate. I'm not burying your favorite. But now it's more just like, that person's my favorite. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And, you know, it's like it, it is not unlike any kind of fandom for sports like whether you like the eagles or you like this or that you know i just think different people watch for different reasons
0: and i things. think lars and i both agree fuck the eagles so
2: <laughs> a, I, I like the eagles i like the eagles when randall cunningham was on the eagles though so i i don't like the eagles in a long long time i couldn't tell you much
1: it. well I, I i was thinking the band so i was completely <laughs> lost out of that so oh uh, okay uh, you know I mean, I forget about the Philadelphia Eagles. Although I'm glad that they did win that Super Bowl that one time, um, but I do remember Oakland, Oakland handing them their ass in what 1980.
2: There you go. Yes, 1980s, back 1980s. when when was John Madden their coach? Was that 1980s. maybe the 70s?
1: No, 70s, 70s. But uh, you know, as as we as we as there's so much to consume here, and I w- I was thinking like about the Google drives and you know how I'm getting hip to all that stuff now through you and through Phil and through a few other guys and I got like you know 75,000 burned DVDs <laughs> in my garage and I'm not even kidding bro see
2: between you and I the, the, the home I'm in and yours there's at least I'm not even gonna say it, it is an absurd amount absurd of wrestling stuff and I
1: can build a house out of DVDs <laughs> i'm serious
2: do you You still have vhs though lars
1: you know i have a few left i got rid of most of them just because i'd either burn them down you know to dvds because it was just easier to store you know and but it's it's for me it's like i i I had a hard time consuming wrestling on the internet Mm -hmm. um i think that the uh way that we do it now like you can go on YouTube and, and find a good match and the and you know, and I'll find some underground shit that I really like. Like a lot of the deathmatch stuff will yeah. you'll it will find its way on onto YouTube and a lot some of the Japanese stuff that I like. Every once in a while you, you can you can you know find a match. But I remember when 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 the YouTube thing started to happen and the matches started or programs like You know, WCW Saturday Night from fucking, you know, December of 92 or whatever the fuck. (laughs) Yeah. And it would be so fucked up that it was so hard to watch. But now people have been uploading better generations of this stuff and it's gotten easier to kind of consume it that way. Although I'm still sitting on, you know, fucking seasons upon season upon season of fucking Raw and everything else, you know. And, uh, you know, (coughs) I, I... I want to know, do you feel like, do you ever get overwhelmed by how much wrestling is out there now and how easy it is to, I mean, you think about every promotion that's, that's, that's got a TV show, whether it's through yeah. fight or just on regular television or through Peacock or whatever. But I mean, even though they hack those matches up, which is a shame mm-hmm. and I'm super glad that I got, with 80 million DVDs with the actual real shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, WWE has hacked even some of their own shit they've hacked it. you know?
2: The the thing with it is, and this is where they're getting me, they're turning me to the dark side because something that I now am doing, and I was never like this, I used to enjoy a ghosty TV screen. I used to like the second and third generations. I now am collecting online versions of matches i already have and have seen a million times but i want it in 720p i want it in 1080 i wanted the most beautiful crisp sound of the fans popping for stuff i want to elevate like if i could find a botany Kurt any that's where the network is a blessing because they have they have upgraded all of that stuff that i had before Right. On tape, on DVD, but it didn't look that clean. Buddy Rose and Doug Summers, second Doug Summers reference of the show, against the Rockers. That's great now with the with the blood and the, the fans of the showboat. So, like, that is something I'm really enjoying. And now the Japanese companies are getting into it. So now all Japan and, and all this other stuff, they are putting out streaming networks. So I found the Toriumon. There's a Toriumon 12-man four-team match in 2003 they just put that up on whatever Toriyama's thing is and it's for free even so you can go on there and watch a match that I've only ever had on DVDs in third generation form but you can now see it in crisp clean color and, and, and picture and I love that so pros and cons absolutely but I do love the streaming that is even better, and plus there's these 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 fans who are the real heroes. They're taking all the ECW shows in perfect quality on the network, and they're putting in the old music to it, so then you could watch it. And I literally had a WWE wrestler who will remain nameless hit me up and I'm like, "Hey, you got any versions of because like, I'm like yo, it's your network." But yes, these things exist. There's people that now take that stuff, put the good music to it, and they 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 find a way to get it to you and. You, you cannot i will go back and watch 94 and 95 ecw tv in particular and it's unbeatable to me it's yeah. a place in my life it's the promos it's cactus it's sandman it's raven it's dean and eddie and redacted and psychosis and ray jr and the whole gang and it's a lot of fun to go watch and the music is so key because yeah. you got allison chains and you have you know all these other. I was a grunge kid, so I always liked that music as it was happening at the time. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Who's Dave the damager? I'm gonna find that. So I like even the, uh, the underground and the undercurrent of hip hop was kind of Paul Lee or Maddie in the house, wherever the music guy, coordinated it. They had that down, so that's fun to me to go look at. But yeah, the streaming is cool because again, I like the quality, but I also miss the idea of like we have a friend Will. And Will, he was the compilation master. He would do like a Tracy Smothers comp or a Barry Windham comp or a Dick Murdoch comp or a Dick Togo comp or anybody else in the alphabet Super wrestling. And you'd watch it and it was just so fun to have everything in the same place. And that's kind of missing now. You can't get that same vibe off of well, a Google Drive. Yeah, I'm, and that's <laughs>
1: one of the things. Like I've been re-watching the Hitman or the the Heart Foundation set that he put out. Mm -hmm. And it takes you from the very get go of the story and you and you're like, oh, yeah, that little thing that happened that sprung board this to happen. And then so on and so on and so forth. And now Bret Hart's a bad guy or whatever. You know, what I mean, it's like it's 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 like amazing to see. It's like a history lesson. But but that's the thing. It's like if you go on to Peacock, they've edited these matches, they've edited these shows. To the point to get them down to a nice fine two and a half hours or whatever with yeah, commercial sure. breaks. So it, it kind of takes the piss out of it in a lot of ways. Because those little idiosyncrasies that we look for or don't see the first time around or we study as a fan are no longer there.
2: Yeah. And, and that's a sad thing, too. And they own everything. And I just yeah. said to a friend the other day, I'm like, why is none of the worldwide wrestlings from the 80s been uploaded? WCW Saturday night can fuck off. Well, well I, got, all- I
1: got all the Worldwide Wrestling stuff. So if, if fucking WWE needs them, I got them all downstairs.
2: I have them, too. I'm just saying I want it in crisper, clean, going yeah, back yeah. to my crisp, and quality. And, and yeah. I then would get someone to put in Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Values music and the Night Express's music and, you know, Giorgio Moroder and all that fun stuff <laughs> and old-time rock and roll for Dusty. And I would just like to have it because it seems like they put the... Even Superstars and Challenge, which were the flagship of that company in the 80s, they don't seem to value that to get it. I mean, I think there was a legal thing with Superstars, but still, get that on the network of Peacock. And I just think that, and I could have worked there. When I left WWE, they're like, again, hey, dude, you're not coming to the Performance Center, but you're really valuable in the library you can edit it did not interest me at the time. So I was so excited to work one-on-one with people where I was like, eh, and also the money would be less than I was making. And it was Connecticut, which is extremely expensive. So it wasn't going to work for me, but sometimes for half a second, at least I sit and I think, well, I could have watched all the world lights. <laughs> Even if they never got put out, I could have seen the masters for fuck's sake, but I didn't do it anyway. But uh yeah, I mean, that's another thing that it's, when we were younger, the only way we could consume, I had the wrestling dolls or the guys or the action figures or whatever. I didn't have all of them, but I had enough. And I had the magazines. My dad would go and my mom hated it because you know, we weren't rich or anything. My dad would be like, here's two bucks for that magazine. And you go and you get the wrestler and you get Inside Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And these were the ways to supplement every Saturday when you tune in in the morning to watch your wrestling. Whereas now, my God, the kids can just, they can consume wrestling at every second of the day with YouTube and everything else. So, you know, I I could see how it could make someone more fanatical about being a a fan, which is a good thing. But it's also an overwhelming thing to get back to your question where it is overwhelming. And even though I have all this information in my brain for certain periods of times, ask Will, I don't watch full matches. I am the king of getting to what I want to watch when I want to watch it and and knowing what clips I like, and that's it. That's not because I don't like long matches. It's just my attention span ain't what it used to be. So I just really, I can't watch it like I used to. So I just watch. If I want to watch a tender match, I'm going to go to where he's chopping or punching the shit out of the guy. Maybe the enemy power bombs. And that's all I really need. I'm fine. But like everything else, you know, these people that are like, even the long matches these days, I know we're not going to talk too much about current wrestling, but like long matches, not for me. And I get that people
1: well, do like, you know, I, I, I'm with you because I mean, I was looking at that FTR, uh, Big Bill, uh, what the fuck's his name? Brian Cage. Brian Cage, that match should have ended with the fucking, uh, the doomsday, you know, or yeah. the, the the bulldog or whatever it was. <laughs> it should have ended there. You know what I mean? And, and But they carried it on, carried it on. Yes, yeah, so I'm with you. Dennis, I'm sorry.
0: So, listening to all this, my question here is, what are not best matches, not, not, not worst matches, what are your favorite entertaining matches? If you were like, hey, fans, you want to know what I like? Here are the matches that make me feel like I love wrestling again. What are your... How yeah. did he ever give me a couple that I and should I'll add against. to this
2: that I got in the mail? So I'll even add to the question to make it for the show. So, one of the first things was I needed to see Dr. Death Steve Williams against Kenta Kobashi from either late August 93 or early September 93. The classic, the one with the backdrop drivers, you know, the one. So, I had to see that one, you know. And I remember getting the tape in the mail and excitedly running and putting it in the VCR and watching it, and it was awesome. And I watched it, and I took it to my best pal who wasn't a wrestling. He liked the warrior in the 80s, but he didn't really care for wrestling too much. But I'm like, oh, but this was a five-star match. And I took it to his house, and him and his dad are like, turn this shit off. Like, what is this? This is boring. I'm like, oh, my God. And that's when I learned about the uber wrestling fan over here that sees what we see. And the people that are just like, all right, (laughs) it's not (laughs) going to be for everybody, which is fine. But uh, so that's one uh, life-changing moment. I got my first Best of Sabu tape. I I don't know if I can accurately convey to you, (sighs) watched wrestling since 1985. Got all the magazines, had seen Sabu in the magazines, had seen some wild stuff in the magazines, but until – had seen Juchin Liger. But until I got that Best of Sabu tape in 1993 with matches against – the first match he had with Taz at the arena for ETW Highlights of him doing the moonsault at Kawasaki Stadium on Dr. Luther and breaking the facial bones. And then all of these things, I was just like, oh my god, like – I didn't know wrestling could be like this. This is this is when like Doink the Clown is fighting with Bret Hart and it, and Shockmaster's falling. Hey, there you go, Shockmaster's falling through the wall, <laughs> and all this other stuff. And I'm just like Road Warrior Hawk against the Equalizer. But Then you see Sabu, and you're like, oh my god, this has been missing. So then it's like fucking catnip, where you're like, I need to get more of this Sabu stuff, and you just go to. I had probably like 17 best of Sabu tapes. I was just so enamored. Went to go see him against Cactus Jack next year in Pennsylvania. So anything Sabu did when I started into knowing that this existed, like Lars was saying, when you knew there were people, you can put your name out there and they'll send you tape lists. But you weren't going to get fucking. Hollywood video and a Coliseum home video for $59.99 in the magazines for a best of King Kong money and Big Don't Stud. You were getting Sao You were getting the Headhunters. You were getting the best of Juchin Liger. You were getting the best of Great Buddha. And it was, it was like, you, you didn't know this. It seems so stupid, but like my brain in 1992 or three didn't know it could be like that. Like, these things were available. Okay, cool. Sign me up. Yeah, I feel like there was one
1: commercial tape with Japanese wrestling on it. And it was, uh, my God, what was it? There was I one... remember
2: one was at my video store where it was called World Pro Wrestling and it had Onoki, and yes. the Barbarian and Dr. Yes. Death.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, yeah. and I remember that. So I guess for my last question, Rob, because we've been, you know, obviously to many pro wrestling matches. Uh, we've been to events together. Um, I definitely know where, like, my favorite event has gone to. So it's a two-part question. Okay. If if there's one underrated wrestler who hasn't got his flowers like you feel like he's meant to or her, that's my first question. The second half of that of the of my last question would be what was the event that you went to live personally that you will always carry that memory for the rest of your life? So first
2: question please. First question Said his name earlier, Superboy. I think more people need to watch Superboy. Superboy was this roly poly luchador, great bass, would fly around for all the other wrestlers. I think he was really good. Superboy is a good answer for that. So I say, literally, anyone else, they're like, that guy's not that. Uh, Superboy is a good answer. uh And Manny Fernandez is kind of an asshole out of the ring, allegedly, so I'm not going to put him over too hard. But uh, Superboy is definitely the one I'll put over with a smile on my face. So then outside of that, my favorite event ever was Kobashi and Joe. Kobashi and Joe, I think it was October 1st, 2005, the New Yorker Hotel, just like a little ballroom. And it was just magical to be in that building for that match for everyone to come alive like they did all the same time for them guys fighting that was the best that that's the one that stays with me for sure. well
1: one one of the things i do definitely want to do is now that you phil or excuse me phil rob has your email dennis yes maybe yes. when we post about this show maybe uh rob if you wanted to you could give us 10 matches and we could post it in the post like hey these are you know 'Cause I mean maybe it, I feel like it would be in spirit of this show we could maybe put it in our in, in the post. Yeah. You know, yeah, watch
2: this
0: stuff.
1: Yeah, even a match of the a, week. Even even if it's just like you typing it on a, a thing in a screenshot and we put it on the <laughs> next thing, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a I'll double do it panel. on an
2: index card like I used to with Mayfield. to make it. That's, yeah.
1: That would be fucking that would be amazing. <laughs> Cause I, I really honestly feel like there's stuff that I you know, in uh, on on a total sidebar there's stuff like like i said before in the show i'll call rob and i'll say hey you know i remember this video of like cm punk samoa joe best of three i can't remember what it was i think there was a shooting interview you know was it all in one you know tape and he goes no actually it was they did a shoot it was together and they talked about these matches and maybe somebody spliced them but it's like you know, there's so much that I still learn from Rob to this day, you know, and and that's uh, you know, I I consider him a friend, you know, and uh, first and foremost, but as a historian, Rob, like, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming to our show because Oh, thank you. You guys are too nice. Well, no, this was exciting for me because I really feel like you know, bringing you on, I feel like, you know, I'm showing you off a little bit. So.
2: Oh, no, don't do that. Uh, no. I I, I thank you because you know about, you know, Time on Honda, and you've seen a lot of stuff live that I'm not even into, just because you're a worldly individual that goes places. Whereas, you know, I'll see stuff in the tri-state area, occasionally in the Midwest, but that's a show. I don't know if you've done it yet. You do a show about things you've seen, and I'm I'm tuning into that shit because you've seen a lot.
1: Yeah, I have and it's funny because it's like I just went through all these pictures and I found like me and Tim with Masawa and me yeah. and Timon Honda and me and you know fucking Ultimo Dragon or whatever you know just the, all the shows I went to over in Japan and these guys that I ran across and some of them are, are, are no longer with us like Bison Smith you know what I mean he was he was a fucking you know he wrestled in Noah and he also learned here in, in, in the Bay Area at APW so it's like you know i have all these memories and it's i it, and it's like basically i have to compile a lot of this stuff because it's spread out and as i'm sure you know um but yeah i mean it, this has just been an awesome show for me just to have you on and i'm hoping people you know really like who are super fans like us you know take a look at this match list because i'm gonna do it you're you're gonna put it up
2: now and i'm now gonna go I'm, now i need to make something real good okay well i i'll do that i have one last question for you i know we're gonna extend this Have you seen live wrestling in Arena Mexico, Currican Hall, and also Madison Square Garden? I'm going to guess yes. I think you said no, but have you seen a show in Arena Mexico? I've never seen a
1: show in Arena Mexico. I've seen wrestling. I've never been to MSG for wrestling wow i've only been the first the first time i was ever i haven't in either
2: that, by the way i haven't either by the way so
1: it's but it's something that i gotta do i was gonna go out there one time when punk was headlining when he was and i something happened i don't even remember what it was the only time i've ever actually been in that building is when we played uh-huh. <laughs> so um and but i've been to Currican hall more times nice you know than i can i can remember honestly i remember it's uh smoking cigarettes with uh with two cold scorpio outside the front (laughs) door and we're just having a laugh you know and he was just like yo where are you guys from and i was like we're you know from san francisco we're in a band or whatever and we're smoking cigarettes together it was it was awesome he was smoking his long ass marvel 100s but anyway
0: dennis uh rob wow uh i'm glad that i got to get to know you uh hopefully we can turn this into a friendship see i'm doing a uh listen where can people find you
2: oh yeah i'm on twitter uh it's rob daylor n-i-n and uh that's all i'm on there and if you go and find me just you'll see a bunch of wrestling pictures and wrestling clips it's basic that's it
0: wow rob episode 385 we're really excited lars you see he's got the numbers down Three We're excited to have you here. Thank you so much. Don't be a stranger. All right. You can't come back anytime, but you can come back sometime. Is that all right? Sounds sounds good. So, all right. Uh, Lars Fredrickson, Dennis Ferrell, this is a wrestling perspective podcast. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media. We're changing our email address up. So look for us posting it uh, pretty much when this drops, we'll have posts coming out about what our new email address is. Feel free to email us your questions, Rob, you can't, uh, you have our personal, so you can just text us or email us. But uh, I don't want to see you slide into my email, okay? But, <laughs> um, but look for all that stuff. Thank you so much, everybody, for enjoying the show, for consuming it. I know we're not, uh, we're not uh, WWWF, but we're close to it. So thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next week.